0: Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the podcast where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this podcast is to be a source of inspirational truth that will awaken a deeper hunger within you for the fire of God to burn brighter and hotter in your life. Leviticus 6.12 says the fire on the altar must be kept burning, it must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoken to the sacrificial burnt offering system of the temple and it also reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that will help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame. This is Keith Collins, your host, and I am blessed to know that you are listening to this program today. Could you do me a favor this week? If you could, visit our websites. Um, We have two. You can find us at keith-collins.org or impact, the letters gf.org, impact.org or keith-collins.org. On those websites, you are able to send us a message that we will receive, and we'd like to know where you're listening from. We know that, that we have this program goes out via podcast, and it reaches multiple nations. But We also know that we are broadcasting um, via shortwave radio, and we are reaching a large percentage of the world's population, and we're able to kind of know the areas that we're in through our podcast. We know who, how many people we're reaching each week through downloads, but if you're listening to this either by radio or by podcast, could you send us a message and let us know where you are listening from, and also if you have prayer requests or comments or even questions that we could bless you in answering, or especially bless you through prayer, we'd love to hear from you. So thank you so much for being a part of this program today. And today I want to talk about a subject that is, to be honest with you, not talked about a lot in modern church life. Um, A lot of our theology does not really even embrace what I'm going to talk about today. Um, and let me just start off by saying this: there is no more important discussion that we can have than the fact that we are saved by grace of by the by grace. Excuse me, we are saved by grace through faith. It is only the grace of God that God gives to us that gives us the ability to truly experience salvation. We know that our salvation comes through Jesus Christ who is the perfect sacrificial offering, and that through His blood, we are made alive in Christ, as Paul says in the, the epistle of Ephesians. It's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. The scripture tells us it's only by the grace of God. It's only by the blood of Jesus, and we hear the word of God, and and. And faith is awakened and, and grace is enacted upon our lives. And this entire salvation experience is so glorious. Therefore, we should teach about that. We should talk about that. Along with that, we know that the love of God towards us is so powerful. Again, the epistle of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul talks about the, the width, the, the height, the depth, the vastness of the love of God towards us. It is amazing when I look at my own life and I see how that the love of Jesus rescued me all the way back in 1985. Friend, I am forever indebted, and I never want to forget about the price that He has paid to set me free from the enemy, from Satan, from sin, and even from myself. It's through His amazing grace and this ongoing experience that I have with His love that um, that I am who I am. Paul said, "I am who I am by the grace of God," and I echo those words of the apostle Paul in my own life. With that being said, um, I want to talk to you about something else today that is also very much a biblical theme, even though in a lot of our modern church experience we don't hear so much about this subject anymore. and And let me let me also say by qualifying something that I believe is important, um, by no means are we called to live in a legalistic way. And what do I mean by that? I mean, rules without relationship is not really the biblical picture that we see. However, we do see a call to live a life of obedience, of submission, of holiness, of righteousness, um, there are multiple scriptures that that allude to this fact um, we are called to to live in in harmony with the body of Christ we are called to be a people of mercy of unforgiveness the Lord says even to forgive someone seven times 70 in one day um, I mean we, we see these themes throughout Scripture we are supposed to live in um, in such a way that we protect our eyes, we protect our ears, we protect our, our passions, our hearts. That, that, that we set our affections on things above, as Paul says. That, that we are not drawn away by our own evil desires and, and, and lust. And, and we hear that Paul tells us that the Lord makes a way of escape even when we're tempted. And so that we don't fall into sin. So, so my, my subject matter for today without any further ado, is I want to talk to you about the, the cycle of sin, or we could call this the spell of sin, or the spell of spiritual sleep. Now, again, we talk a lot about grace, we talk a lot about favor, we talk a lot about blessing, we talk a lot about prosperity, and, and some of those things are fine in context, of course, and, and very much biblical themes that, that we need to teach over and over again as, as fundamentals to our faith. But if we neglect the subject of sin, then we are really neglecting a pretty large part of the Word of God. And, and we see the, the results of disobedience throughout the entirety of God's Word, whether it be the sin of idolatry among the Israelites, um, among Jewish people in the Old Testament, whether it be prior to the split of the monarchy when it was Israel, and then after the monarchy split when the northern... Part of, of the region was Israel. The southern part was Judah. We see this continual um, engagement into idolatry, which leads to which or which led to all types of horrific behavior. Even at times, um, prostitution being celebrated. Even the little sacrificing of children. So, so we see the result of sin in the Old Testament. We come to the New Testament. We also see that, that this is a theme that Jesus, when even, even when someone was healed through the ministry of Jesus, he would say, now go and sin no more. It's not that he overlooked sin. He extended mercy and grace. But then he said, now you go and live a life of righteousness. Go and sin no more. So the Bible says in, in Matthew, Jesus said, um, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for what? For righteousness for they shall be filled. He also says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It says, Be holy as God is holy. Um, Paul says that we've been called to, to holiness, to sanctification. Um, we could go on and on and on. And, and I'll read some scripture in just a little bit here. But my point is this. We have to acknowledge the fact that sin is very real that it's very aggressive and that it is, it is destroying people, of course, in the world. We look at the result of sin in a falling world and we hear every week it seems like someone ODing on drugs or now we have this this crisis with with fentanyl that's become so prevalent in America and we see kids that are maybe doing Fentanyl one time and dying as a result. Suicide seems to be on the rise. Crime, especially in our major cities, is at incredible numbers. I mean the the escalation of murder and robberies and and and, and rape and and assault. I mean, all these things are just kind of getting out of control to where it's even fearful for a lot of people to even travel on public transportation in some of our major cities of America, and this is probably true in other parts of the world as, w- as well. My point is this, friend, Sin is very real. It is very aggressive. Not only does it destroy a nation, a culture, but it also works in the church, And when the church comes to a place to where we are no longer willing to acknowledge, the number one, the reality of sin, that we don't want to talk about it, we don't want people to be uncomfortable, we don't want people to feel out of place, um, then something happens. We cease to really be the true church, and we just kind of morph into this hybrid form of religious expression, oftentimes with no power to confront addiction, no power to confront demon possession, no power to confront the, the onslaught of, of the enemy through sin on even our own church people that we go to church with, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and therefore we become weakened as a result. So I believe there are times and there are seasons when we need to teach about sin. What does sin do? Why is it bad? Why does the New Testament and the Old Testament talk so much about sin. Why is sin causing such a a blight on the people in the world that we live in, as well as on the body of Christ? Why is it that so many people are claiming to be followers of Jesus, but they're bound up in alcohol addiction? They're, they're bound up in pornography addiction. They're, they're consumed with a spirit of anger and, and rage, and th- their character is wrong and they're not honest. They they are you know deceitful in their ways, and they still continue to maybe even go to church and maybe give in the offering or maybe raise their hands in a worship service and maybe even preach, but there's no righteousness. There's no holiness. There's, there's no there's no fear of God. There's no normal hunger and thirsting for righteousness. I, I want to tell you that the night I was saved, January the 25th of 1985, the night I got saved, I was smoking marijuana. I was drinking alcohol. I was, you know, um, I was high. I was drunk at the same time. And I got radically saved. The, the first experience that I had with the presence of God was I became completely sober that night. And I by the amount of the alcohol and the the marijuana that I smoked I mean I should have been high for and drunk for for some time however as I stood in the back of a little country Pentecostal church in North Florida my, my life was so radically changed and again the first experience that I ever had with the presence of God is that I became completely sober which shook me to be honest with you. Now, that night, I gave my heart to Jesus, and I had a radical, glorious, beautiful experience with the power of God, the love of God, the fire of God, and I want to tell you something. The next day, I was not the perfect Christian. I was not the perfect disciple, but I knew by way of my experience with the divine nature of God through being born again of the Spirit of God that there were things in my life that I could no longer do. I could no longer be involved in fornication i could no longer get drunk i i could no longer put drugs into my body i i could no longer look at certain things or or listen to 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 certain music that was so anti-christ i mean there was just something that happened but why because i was born again of the spirit of god and the divine nature of god came alive in me and my spirit man gained cognizance or gained awareness and something on the inside of me began to long for Jesus, for biblical righteousness. I didn't know how to put put this into words because I was such a new Christian. However, um, I became hungry for Jesus. The, the, the things of this world, as the old song said, they grew strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. The, the things of heaven, the things of eternity, the the face of Jesus, if I could say it that way, became so appealing to me. And when I beheld the price that Jesus paid for my sins, when the horror and the glory of the bloody Roman cross that Jesus died upon was made real to me, then everything in my life changed. I, I was um, I was awakened. I mean, I, I woke up to who Jesus really is. I, I woke up to eternity. I woke up To the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and the things of this world, even though I was still tempted like anybody would be tempted, there was something that happened on the inside of me that, by the grace of God, not that I've never made a mistake, I hope you understand what I'm saying, but by the grace of God, there's always been something inside of me that has longed for a deeper place of the Lord in the Lord excuse me that that the deep part of me as scripture said has always cried out to the deep part of God and even though the enemy has come and my flesh has tempted me and and my eyes have tempted me and, and again I'm not saying that I've never been tempted um however by the grace of God I still stand after 36 years of walking with Jesus and I can tell you that his grace is sufficient not just the grace that saved me in 1985. But the other dynamic of grace, which we actually see Paul referring to, this divine assistance, this empowering nature of God, strengthens me to walk in righteousness, to walk in holiness. It's not about legalism. It's about submission. It's about being focused on my relationship with Jesus. It's about not allowing my heart to be swayed to, to lesser lovers or idols or sin or temptation that would take me down a path of destruction. It's, it's the grace of God that empowers me, that can empower you to walk a life that's worthy of the call of God, as the Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians or the epistle of Ephesians. So, so my point is this, is I'm opening up the subject today sin is very real friend um we have an entire culture now in the church in the modern church especially in america that claims to follow jesus and claims to love god but they're not free from sin i'm not talking about temptation i understand again and i wish i had time to really teach on this um the bible says we are that we are tempted even jesus would tempt, was tempted like us, however, he never sinned. So Paul said, there is no temptation taken you, but such as common or normal to man. But God is faithful and he will not suffer you to be tempted above the tree, but will also with the, with the temptation, make a way to escape that you can bear it so that you'll be able to bear it. So God provides an escape from temptation. What is that escape from? That escape is the divine assistance that comes through the Lord by way of intimacy. Now, let me just make a statement here. If you're comfortable in sin, if you're comfortable living a life of secret sin, maybe it's pornography, maybe you're having um, an affair with someone, maybe it's even an emotional affair. It might not even be sexual, but maybe it is sexual. Maybe you're having some type of an affair, emotional or sexual or both. Um, <clears throat> you Maybe you are deceitful in your ways Maybe you are a liar. Maybe you are giving to anger and you've never had control over anger. Friend, I'm not here condemning you, but I'm telling you that those things, unless dealt with by and through the cross of Jesus Christ, will become the dominant force in your life unless, through your relationship with Jesus, you find victory over those areas. And I'm telling you, there is victory. Now, listen, I don't have hours to to do a counseling session here but but i do want to tell you this if you seek him you will find Him. the bible says i do want to tell you this if you are a person a prayer a person that pursues the face of jesus on a regular basis a person that is connected to the body of Christ by way of fellowship, a person that is accountable to others in your life, whether it be if you're a man, other brothers, if you're a woman, other sisters, it could be a leader even, but I'm talking about really getting raw and transparent and accountable. There, There's something there that that breaks the power of sin in our lives, so I want to make that clear to you that there is freedom. However, that's not really my subject matter per se. My subject matter is this: the church needs to acknowledge that we need to talk about sin again. We need to talk about hell again. I'm not going to talk about that today, but hell's kind of a a, a bygone theme in the church. Well, hell is very real, as much as the fact that sin is very real. Let me let me read some scripture to you from from the book of James, the first chapter, verses thirteen. Through 15, the Apostle James says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But listen to this. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now there's there's a picture there that I want you to see. Again, each one is tempted when? When he or she is drawn away by their own lust, their own desires, they become enticed. And then the next step is when that desire is conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is full grown, always leads to ultimate death. Now, spiritual death, of course, but sometimes even physical death. I mean, how many people listening to me today? You can look at the history of your life and you can at least point to someone who lived a life completely consumed or controlled by sin and the end of their life was tragic. I mean, whether it be death by maybe drunk driving or maybe an overdose or maybe through suicide, but you can look at their lives and you can see this this cycle of sin where it's almost as if a spell were cast Upon these individuals, and and they they were sucked in to a life of of sin, and maybe they thought they could handle it, but eventually, the devil who plays for keeps, sin, whose which is very real, got its claws so deep in this individual or these individuals that eventually it took their lives, and they're no longer with us. Friend, that's the power of sin. I I want you to know that that sin is real. Maybe you're listening. To me today, and maybe there's secret sin in your life. Maybe your wife doesn't know about it, your husband doesn't know about it, your friend doesn't know about it. Maybe you're a leader, maybe you're a pastor, maybe you're an evangelist, a a worship leader. And there's areas in your life that you know are contrary to the word of God. Listen, I, I I want you to hear my heart today. Friend, there's freedom from you, for you. There's freedom for you, excuse me, but you've got to get real. You, you, you've got to get desperate. You've got to come to a place that you're willing to deal with. And listen to what Jesus said. And this is this is very challenging. Jesus talks about the fact that if a one, if a man it said, back before, if a man was caught in adultery with a woman, that it was a great sin, he said, Now if a, a man even looks upon a woman to lust after her, he's already committed adultery in his heart with her. Then he goes on to say, Listen, if your eye offends you, pluck it out and cast it away. He said, You're better to enter heaven with a main body, to enter hell with a whole body. Then he said, he keeps going, he said, If you're If your hand offends you cut it off again the same concept you're better to go to heaven with a main body than to go to hell with a whole body now this is hyperbolic communication it's what the scholars call it it's an exaggerated form of communicating a very important truth what was jesus saying get radical with sin quit making excuses for sin listen Maybe you were raised in a rough way. Maybe you were exposed to pornography at a young age. Maybe you were even violated as a, listen, and I, th- these are horrible things. And I sometimes people need counseling and they need further help and, and they need pastoral care. And, and I, I'm all for that. I've been a part of doing that with people for years. But listen, there comes a time in our lives when we've got to address sin for what it is. And we've got to be willing to to deal with it. And if we don't, sin will destroy. Again, this progressive cycle of sin, or spiritual sleep, place for keeps, my friend. Um, the Bible is clear that God is not a respecter of persons, but I, I tell you that neither is sin, neither is the enemy. The enemy, the Bible says, comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I'll be honest with you, I am... I'm actually grieved in my heart that there are so many people within a church culture in modern Christendom, especially in the Western world. I am grieved in my heart that there are so many people that are bound up in sin, and they don't even worry about it. I mean, it, it it's almost as if the level of acceptance and tolerance has become so deep that there's no alarm, there's, there, there, there's no concern, and again... I want to restate, understand that legalism is always there knocking at the door. Legalism, you know, again, rules with that relationship is always there to, to entrap us. And and I, I've seen people get so caught up in legalism that their, their bondage to that is as deep as people that are bound up in sin. But, but listen to me, even though there is a legalism, that does not negate the fact that we are called to holiness. What is holiness? Friend, holiness is living like Jesus lived. Holiness is loving like Jesus loved. Holiness is protecting our communication the way that Jesus did. Holiness is keeping our eyes set upon the Lord and and not feasting on the filth and the entertainment of the world that we live in. Why? Because it separates our relationship with the Lord. It, it, it causes a chasm. Listen, what is sin? Sin is anything that separates you from God. Sin is anything that Jesus would not do. You say, man, that's, that's strong no and that's just Bible. Jesus, or I'm sorry, the word of God clearly says, come out from among the world and be separate. That that we are to live in such a way that our lifestyle on the outside reflects the holiness that's on the inside of us because of our relationship with the Lord. Because that we have been called into divine union with Jesus as a result. Friend, we live differently. Why? We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We reflect his nature we reflect his love we reflect his mercy but we also reflect the fact that he's a he's a judge he he's the judge of the universe and it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living god the word of god says we we have to to wrestle with the story of of Ananias and Sapphira in the new testament who who lied to the lord and their lies were taken out according to the book of acts that Luke wrote because of their lying to the Holy Spirit. Friend, these are very real elements that that we have to deal with and we have to, to pray through and we have to realize that The the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. What does that mean? That means through reverence through awe, through being awestruck that at his holiness at his righteousness even the angelic creatures cry holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty friend. He's a God of holiness now. He's merciful. He's a loving father Jesus said he'd go with us to the end of the world He's he's more close than a mother a father a brother a sister. I understand all that but at the same time, His blood sets us free from sin. Listen, a salvation that does not bring an awareness of sin and a separation from that sin is not true salvation. Salvation is a work of God that is done by His love through His grace, that we are empowered with divinity, we, we, as Paul told Timothy, we lay hold of eternal life. There's a divine source that, that surges in and through our being. There is something that awakens us to hunger and thirst after Jesus. Now You might say, I've never had those feelings. Well, friend, let me lovingly but very pointedly ask you this question. Do you know that you know that you know? that you've truly been born again. I don't mean you've repeated a prayer while shaking a pastor's hand or by by responding just to an altar call. Salvation can happen that way. But listen, salvation is more than a formula. Salvation is encountering the Lord Himself and allowing the power of His blood, the power of His nature to truly set you free. Do you know that you know that you know Jesus. I'm going to pick this theme up again next week, but I want to close in prayer and I'm going to pray that you'll experience his love today. Father, in Jesus name, set the captive free today. Awaken hunger for you, Lord. If, If there's those that do not know you, may this be a day they cry out to you for salvation, for mercy, for grace, for forgiveness, and they experience deep repentance and they're born again of your spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame today. We'll be back next week. You can visit us at keith-collins.org. You can also visit us at impactgf.org. Listen, friend, the Lord loves you. He has an amazing plan for your life. And I look forward to being back with you again next week right here on Maintain the Flame. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins. I want to ask you to please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then please subscribe and listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about my ministry, please go to keith-collins.org or impactgf.org.